Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's got great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. And of course, boxing, which is why you're listening to this. It is awesome with new and existing user promotions. It is America's number one sports book. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. And you can discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so that they know that I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. I would like to say that your highest rated guest has returned. You are not my highest rated guest. Yes, I am. Admit it. Admit it. The latest arriving guest is what you are. Latest arriving. Both on the day of and... You know, I show up when it matters, Mannix. I show up when it matters. That's not proven to be true at any point in time. Like I teach my son, punctuality matters. It's a sign of respect in other people's time, and I do the exact same thing. You missed all of Thursday because you flew in late in the day. That just means I don't respect you. That's all that (laughs) means. Okay. All right. Sergio Mora, the former junior middleweight champion, DAZN boxing analyst, is in. We are in San Antonio for the Bam Rodriguez Sarisa Katsour Rung Visai fight. That's a fight you can see on Saturday live on DAZN. And we're going to get to that, Sergio. But I want to look back to the fight that I was ringside at last weekend. Arthur Betterbiev against Joe Smith, light heavyweight unification fight. And this one looked like it could be a war because Betterbiev. Arguably the biggest puncher in all of boxing. Joe Smith, a big puncher with a granite chin. 
Felt like going in, it could be a back-and-forth fight. Whoever landed first would win. Uh, no, not so much. Joe Smith knocks... Uh, Archer Benariev knocks Joe Smith down in this first round. Knocks him down twice in the second round. Would have knocked him down again had Harvey Doc not stopped that fight. Archer Benariev is your unified light heavyweight world champion. What do you think of Benariev's performance? And did it surprise you to see him mow down Joe Smith the way he did? It surprised me, but it just shows you how hard uh, Archer better be of hits. I mean, he has cinder blocks for hands. They're heavy hands. But while you're talking, I'm thinking, and you know what's more important than having uh, a granite fist? Having granite chin. Okay, it's not granite. It's granite. Granite, granite, granite yes. apple, potato, potato. No, not, um, <laughs> not even close. Uh so better be of yeah he has he has these heavy hands where he doesn't have to hit you cleanly now Joe Smith has heavy hands as well but his his doesn't come with as much technique as better be of and if you notice in that in that uh, first round better be of came out boxing moving I didn't expect that that kind of threw me off he was moving laterally and he wanted to feel out Joe Smith he wanted to see what kind of game plan he had in that first round and, and you know he wanted to feel out those hands as well those two power punchers that wanted to feel out their power. Better be if did did the right thing by moving the first round. And Joe Smith, that second round, or was it the first round he got caught? He got caught early. I know caught that. Caught the first round went down, and that changed the course and of the fight. And then that changed. So I, I think Better be if did the smart thing, but that's that Olympic pedigree. Moving around the ring, getting the feel of the ring, not get, not get hit early by a puncher. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when you get hit by someone with hard hands that early. You don't, you, know, you don't get accustomed to the power, then you can't recoup after that. So better be have showed not only uh, uh, experience and he showed character, but he showed that he has more than just power. He has, you know, a fight game. And and um, Joe Smith, on the other hand, yeah, man, I didn't expect I didn't expect him to go down like that. I expected a war. I expected seven or eight rounds, but that just goes to show you how how powerful better be have and how dangerous he is. Better be of is an underrated boxer. Like, he was a world champion back in 2009. He was an Olympian, um, lost controversially in the 2008 Olympics. Um, his previous amateur loss was to Alexander Usyk, so he's fought some of the best in the amateur ranks. He's not just, you know, this blunt force trauma type of guy. He mm -hmm. has rocks in his hands, but he knows how to deliver those punches. I know Smith's team was angry afterwards about some of the punches behind the head, and better be of does have a history of kind of landing behind the head, but it's because guys duck down, Sergio. And when guys duck down, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them when they get hit behind the head. Like, don't duck into punches like that. I used to get penalized a lot in the amateurs on national tournaments uh, by dipping down, and I took that into the pro ranks. That's my style. I used to dip below my, my opponent's waist, and I used to evade punches that way. I had great defense, great upper body movement. But in the amateurs, they want you to just put your hands up and block that way. That's not going to work in the pros. It's a flawed system, but that's another story. Um, moving your head makes a power puncher miss completely. Anytime you have a hard puncher, he's accustomed to hitting and hurting something. But when you make a miss completely, not only does he tire out quickly, his legs go out quicker, but he gets discouraged and he just doesn't want to throw as, as many punches. So uh, better be if, yeah, he may have caught him at the side of the head, but it was legal. It was definitely legal, and it's because Joe Smith, you know, kind of huddles into that guard and he gives up the side of his head. But every fighter, I don't care how great defensively a fighter is, has been hit borderline side back of the head. Every fighter has faced that. You just got to go through it. Yeah, I bet on Joe Smith in that fight because he was a 13-1 to 1 underdog to win by decision in that fight. 13-1. to 1 I like Joe Smith in decision. that fight as well because of that uh, uh, experience he got from Bevo and the fact that That's Bevo true. You did pick Smith to win on the zone. That was I a did. bad pick.
It was a bad pick, but so was uh, picking uh, Romero. Did you take Rolly Romero? Romero I took Rolly Romero, even so though one judge was on board with me. But yeah, I picked Rolly Romero. Doesn't matter if he knocked out. Okay, it doesn't matter what the. Hey, one he was judge ahead says. before he got knocked out. Yeah, then he would have lost on the other two judges' scorecards. So it wouldn't matter either way. So that's why. Matter. Listen, it's it's thirty six minutes of fighting. You can win thirty five and still lose. So better be have his eighteen and 0, 18 knockouts. His resume is starting to get some meat on it. He's got wins over Alexander Vostick. He's got wins over Marcus Brown and now Joe Smith. So here's a question I have for you, Sergio. Is Archer Betterbiev a pound-for-pound pound guy at this point? I'm not going to ask you straight up to say yes or no. I'm going to ask you, because my pound-for-pound pound list is coming out on SI.com later this week. I could already answer it, no. So, All right, so no. So I'm going to ask you who belong, if, if he belongs on the list over the last four guys on my list. So Tyson Fury, does he belong on the list over Tyson Fury? No. Okay. Shakur Stevenson? Maybe. Really? You'd put over Shakur Maybe. Stevenson? Just because, of the, just because of the youth. You know, the unification. I know Shakur Stevens. Uh, he, he 126-pound champion, unified look, at 130, just beat Oscar Valdez. Stevenson has, has everything ahead of him, but who do you take out mm-hmm. and who do you put in? That's the only reason I take out this young kid, because he's so talented, so gifted, and he has the world ahead of him. But yes, does he belong in top 11, pound for pound? Well, I Absolutely. Mean, yeah, Shakur's I mean, I think on he's, there. So uh, let me give you the last two here, uh, or last three, rather. Jermel Charlo. He's up there with Stevenson. Jamal right. Charlo's number eight. No, I put him. I put him uh, nine or eight. Charlo. Well, Charlo's eight in my list. Charlo's right go. there. Uh, at nine, I've got Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor is probably ten on my list. I think yeah. Josh Taylor is being overlooked at this point because he had a lackluster win over Jack Catterall. I think you have to give Josh Taylor the credit for I do blowing through I do. the World Boxing Super Series, beating. Uh, Regis Progre beating Jose Ramirez. And even though it was a close fight with Catterall, I mean, it was that wasn't a robbery. Like, it was... I've seen robberies. That wasn't it. It was a close fight that went his way, and, and maybe it shouldn't have. Good for him for saying, by the way, he's going to stay at 140 to fight Catterall in a rematch. And number 10, I've got Lomachenko on that list. So You have to... You know, that that's what's tricky about these uh, top 10 lists. You, who do you take out? But uh, I, I agree with you with Lomachenko. I agree with you with everyone else. But Stevenson has not accomplished what Lomachenko has accomplished. And I just think, uh, you know, Josh Taylor became undisputed. You know, one of what, you know, six, seven undisputed champions, and he beat some of the best fighters, as you mentioned. So I just think, uh, you know, uh, he's ahead of the game right now. Yeah, I mean, Shakur is. Yeah, I I took, on on this month's list, I took Dimitri Bivol off, and I put Jamel Charlo on. Because, again, I give Jamel Charlo credit for his resume. Jamel Charlo is one of the most impressive resumes of the guys yeah, in the top no, 10. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't blame you on that one, man. He just knocked out Brian Castaño. That's a tough decision to make, but I it's don't tough. blame you on that one. You know, I know Devin Haney's going to complain about not being top 10, but you really can't. I mean, he's got four belts, but he beat one guy to get them. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think that's top 10 yet, not until he faces some better competition. I left Bevel off. I left better Bev off. Um, if Bevel fights better Bev, the winner of that fight will get on the list. No you know question what? about it. Now, we're not going to get that fight next because better Bev is headed for a showdown in the UK against Anthony Yard. I think he blows through Yard. I talked to Yard after the fight. Yard said better Bev's a beast, but I'm a beast too. I don't think that's true. I think better Bev is a different animal than Anthony Yard. I think that wins that fight comfortably. And we're probably going to get Dimitri Bevel against Joshua Bawatsi or Zerto Ramirez before the end of the year. So we're not going to get that fight next, but who would you favor right now in a better Biev versus Bevel fight? Uh, 
back to what you're saying about Yard, a, a beast doesn't beat a beast. What beats a beast is brains. And Dimitri Bivo has a brains. He has a jab. He keeps that distance, that strategy, and that game plan all the way to the end. I'll favor Dimitri Bivo in that fight because of that. Because of all that I just mentioned and the momentum that he has beating the num- number one fighter in the world in Canelo. So momentum, confidence, style, pedigree, and the fact that he's just so damn smart. You know, you talk to Dimitri Bivo in an interview or in a conversation, and he, it's enlightening the things that he says. You know, even though it, it is with a heavy accent, he says the right things, man. <laughs> he says the right things. Kind of like me with my Latino accent. But, uh, yeah, he's just he's a pleasure to talk to. He's very smart, and he's a hell of a fighter. And power's not going to be enough to beat Dimitri Bivo. You need, you're going to need more than that. Yeah, I, look, I— you're going to need more than that, but it goes back to what I said a minute ago. Better be have not just some power puncher. He's got skill behind him. He showed that, yeah. He does. He's got but good clubbing punch, Clubbing punches aren't going to land, one, on Bevo because he's not going to break that distance. Joe Smith got caught with that hooking type punch because he was in that range. You know, Bevo's going to maintain that range like he, like he proved in all his fights with everyone else. I mean, he got rocked with Joe Smith Jr., but Joe Smith Jr. punches really hard. Yeah, better he be learned from that. Harder. He learned from that, and it was towards the end of the fight. Yeah, what Joe was Smith it, the 11th is, round? Joe Smith is reckless out there. Be- like, better be have is I wouldn't a- call him reckless. Joe Smith unpolished, is a wild puncher. Unpolished, right, but not reckless. All right, you, you're splitting hairs there. He's a kind of a wild puncher out there. Better be if it's not. Better be if it's a compact Mayorga puncher. is a wild puncher. That's He's not a wild puncher. All right, Joe but Smith. it's different. It's different with Archer Better be if in the ring because he's a very accurate puncher. He's a strong puncher. He throws punches from all kinds of angles really uh, concisely. He is... He's dangerous in there against Dimitri Bivol. And I'm not sure. Like, Bivol knew that Canelo probably wasn't going to hurt him. Like, Canelo's powerful at 168, not so much at 175. Bivol knew he could do some things. I think the Bivol that fought Canelo would get caught by Archer Betterbief. And if you get caught by Betterbief, it's over. Lights out. Joe Smith learned that. Alexander Vostick learned that. Uh, Marcus Brown learned that. All these guys that are big, legitimate, light heavyweights. Vostick, I keep going back to that win. That was a great win. It was. Vostick Looking is, back, Vostick, it, aged, it aged well. Vostick is a tremendous fighter, and mm-hmm. he got he was winning some rounds against Better Biev, and then he got stopped. Like, I can see the same thing happening to Dimitri Bivol. Unfortunately, we're not going to get it for a while. Maybe not until, I don't know, end of next year. That's really. all right. We're going to get great interim fights in between. I would love it's to see either interim. either one of these guys fight Surdo Ramirez or Yard or I, anyone I else. These uh, are you great know, fights. You, you really want to see Better Biev against Yard? You know what? Yard, Yard yes, I would. Why? I mean, it, it won't be a marketable fight, but it'll be a damn good fight. You think that's a good Stylistically, fight? Stylistically, You think yes. that's a good fight? Yes, absolutely. Ramirez against Yard will be a hell of a fight. I think Ramirez against Bebo All these guys fight. are great I fights. I think Ramirez Bebo is a very Stylistically, good fight. they match up well. I don't think Yard, I don't think Yard can handle the pressure of better BF. I, I don't see that happening. All right, we are here in San Antonio for Bam Rodriguez against Sarisa Katsua Rungbasai. 115-pound world title fight. Bam, the champion. Sor Rungbasai, the former champion and title challenger. I want to ask you first about Bam Rodriguez's last win. Uh, it was just a few months ago that Rodriguez took a fight against Carlos Quadras on two, less than a week's notice, I should say, um, and moved up two weight classes and beat one of the better fighters at 115 pounds. What did you think of that performance, first off? Well, no, you got to give the kid credit. I mean, at 22 years old, uh, going up against uh, a fighter that's fought all of the fearsome four, from Chocolatito to Estrada to Sarungvasa, he he fought them all. And for Ben Rodriguez to take that step in a in short-notice fight is incredible. I mean, no matter how much money they try to pay me to do that, I would never have done it. 
<laughs> that's, <laughs> that's such bullshit. Of course you would for money. No, well, maybe for money, but still, it, it takes a lot for a young, undefeated kid like this, and it's for a championship as well. So it says a lot about his character and the belief that the team has in him. But the way he handled it, Mannix, uh, he fought the first half of the fight brilliantly, and then he started exchanging with Sarung Desai. But Robert, quadras, quadras, quadras. I'm sorry, with Quadras. And then... Uh, uh, Robert Garcia in his corner was telling him, do not exchange with him. It's keep it in twos and fuse and keep moving. Keep shifting. Keep the angles. And that's what he's going to have to do with Sarung Visay as well. But for, for, for a 22-year-old to carry that game plan all the way to the end is what uh, speaks volumes. So what did you make then of his decision not only to stay at 115 pounds, but to take on the biggest puncher in the division in Sarung Visay? Bam Rodriguez easily could have dropped back down to 112, where there are some marketable fights out there for him. Uh, theoretically, Julio Cesar Martinez, if he can never make weight, um, would be a good fight for Rodriguez. Sonny Edwards is out there potentially for Rodriguez. Instead, Bam decided to stay at 115, keep his title, and he's going up against a guy who, even at 35 years old, is still the biggest puncher in this weight class. It's an opportunity, but it's a really dangerous one. Yeah, because that's exactly how you become great, Mannix, by, uh, by taking on these challenges, on names, on, on, on champions. These guys look great on your resume, and the reason they're, 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 they're dangerous is because, yes, one punch can't change, change something, but looking back at it, when, you, when all said and done, and you look at the names on your resume, that's when you say, man, I can't believe I took on that challenge. Yeah, I, look, it's, 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 a, it's a huge credit to Bam Rodriguez for doing it because he could have stayed at 115 and defended his title against a lesser opponent. This is a homecoming fight for Bam Rodriguez. He's San Antonio-born, San Antonio-raised, still lives in San Antonio, met the mayor of San Antonio this week, so he is getting the full treatment uh, from the city of San Antonio. He could have fought someone lesser, but he's taking on Sorung Vasai. And I'm of the belief, Sergio, that Sorung Vasai has something left. I believe he does. Because I look back at that Estrada fight. I've watched that a couple of times now. Um, he had a terrible game plan in that fight. He fought orthodox against Estrada. And for like nine rounds fighting orthodox, he looked ordinary. Then in the 10th round, he switches back to southpaw and he's landing big shots. He's connecting right. with those big shots. And one thing that you brought up about Bam Rodriguez, he does have a tendency to stand in front of his opponents. You mentioned what Robert Garcia was saying. Don't stand in front of him. Don't stand in front of him. It's one thing to stand in front of Carlos Quadras. It's quite another to stand in front of Sarisa Katsurungvisai. And if he does that, he's going to open the door to get knocked out. He is a naturally smaller fighter going up against a guy that, if nothing else, still has power left in him. Maddox, it wasn't my trainer that said this. I confuse him for Oscar Wilde at times. Experience is what men give the, the name to their mistakes. So if you make mistakes, you're going to say, oh, well, that was experience. No, that, that, every fighter doesn't need that. Sometimes talent is enough to... to, to to, to skip that experience factor sometimes just being ahead of uh, being gifted and i see those little qualities in bam rodriguez he's a gifted fighter he's ahead of the class and that's the reason he's able to skip skip these uh, uh i guess classes skip these opponents that he's supposed to face and get to the level the championship level but he skipped that all right so who are you taking in this fight Rodriguez or Sorong? Bam Rodriguez by decision. I think he gets rocked. He will get checked. I mean, it's bound to happen. But I think this this time he knows how to not exchange, keep keep the punches and twos and fuse, and pot shot. He gets hurt. You know, keep the combinations uh, fluid, but early and later just be comfortable on a on a comfortable uh, decision. So you think he can take the power 
of Sorong Masai. I think he could take the power if he doesn't get hit cleanly, if he's not stationary. If he's moving, he can take the power because he can roll with the shots. But if he's actually, you know, in the pocket, flat-footed, exchanging, no way. No, Nobody's going to be able to take those punches. Well, so the other factor in this is that his longtime trainer, Robert Garcia, was only part of half of this camp, the first four weeks or so of this camp. The other half, he was over in the U.K. working with Anthony Joshua. Uh, there was some continuity there. Robert's son... Uh, Junior was the uh, basically the head trainer while Robert was gone. He's been part of every camp with Bam Rodriguez. But do you think that's a factor? Not having your head trainer around? No, that all depends on the on the on the fighter. I think the fighter if he's mentally weak, and I, I know you. I hate to say that because most fighters are not mentally weak. But if they're needy, and I, I ran a lot across a lot of fighters like this on the contender, we weren't allowed to use our, our trainers. And a lot of fighters, they were, they were like babies. I need this. I need my gym. I need my certain type of gloves. I need my trainer. And I saw through that weakness, and that's why I realized I had the upper hand. Some fighters don't need that. I mean, yes, as long as they're there, fight night, Mannix. That's all that matters. As long as you have that familiar voice when you need him. And, and if you had a couple of weeks in camp to go over the things that you already know you have to do, that you're going to be just fine. And Robert Garcia is not one of these top-class trainers that's the only one that does this. Freddie Roach had to manage his time to do this. Uh, Emmanuel Stewart had to manage his time to do this. Whenever you're uh, 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 the top drawer of training, you're the top dog and you're demanded, you got to go where the money is because that's your career as well. You're not just focused on one fighter. You have a stable of fighters. Eddie Reynoso is another example. You go where the money is. You go where the opportunity is. And that's how you build your name and your legacy and your credentials as a trainer. Well, this is going to be the biggest test, no question, of Bam Rodriguez's career. And I'm very curious to see how he holds up to the power of Sorong Beside because he cannot stand in front of this guy. You are infatuated with power. What is it with you and power? It's like a Napoleonic complex, but with power Well, with you. I spend a lot of time around you, and you never had it. So and I, had... I and I did a lot of things without it because it's not needed. It, technique is for speed a you second. Know my power is last. You is, didn't you tell you me... You are like, so infatuated. Dude, didn't, I'm didn't telling you, tell you me something's as, wrong with you. Didn't you tell me as You're like a young, something. Didn't you tell me as a younger fighter, you fought Southpaw and you had power at that point? I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I had great po power. I had power as a southpaw, but then I turned orthodox and it just went out the window <laughs> because I, I had my lead hand in the front. So I had my power hand in the front, but I would get hit a lot more. If only you'd fought as a southpaw your entire career. That no been, way, man. I, got, I came a long way with no power. I'm, I'm That's true. That's true. I'll always give you that. Um, all right. Let's talk about – let's move to the heavyweight division for a second. Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk were both over in Saudi Arabia uh, for the promotional press tour part of their heavyweight title fight. That is on August 20th. You got a good look at both these guys. You know what's going on in Joshua's world. You know what's been going on in Usyk's world. What are your early thoughts on that rematch? The early thoughts are the same with everyone else's. The The consensus is nothing's going to change. Usyk's going to do the exact same thing and, and pot shot him from different angles and maybe even... Maybe even stop him this time because he has that experience. He he, he got he got the timing down. He knows how, what punches are going to land. Now Joshua did make some adjustments, and we know that that's what he does. When he lost with Andy Ruiz, he came back with a totally different game plan and was able to win the championship back again. How much of that though was Andy Ruiz being in awful shape hey, listen, and not that, taking the rematch series? You know, that, Usyk's not like that. Listen, Usyk is totally different. Everyone can play devil's advocate with any type of fight. I'm just sticking to what I see. The game plan was different on his toes. Okay, boxing. what did you see in, in Andy Ruiz in that fight? A big tub of goo. <laughs> <laughs> in the words of Jim Lampley. I think that's what Jim Lampley said when uh, when introducing somebody. Forgot. But no, yeah, but look, that that that's that's how it is. When when I fought Vernon Forrest, how much of that was Vernon Forrest making adjustments to the rematch? 
or or me having Andy Ruiz type fun as well. I'm gonna you know? go. I'm gonna go a lot of you having Andy Ruiz type fun. Is what uh, I'm and go you with. will be right, but I'm not gonna blame it. What was on your that. training camp for that? Like six weeks? It was six weeks, and I lost 28 pounds. But look, that's neither here or there. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is, I don't blame it on that. I'm a man. I man up. I got beat by a great fighter, a legendary <laughs> fighter, and you know, that I won't. World. Wasn't there one point when you were like asleep under the bleachers in some way? Because you were trying to lose all that weight. Oh man, it, it got it got bad. Make <laughs> trying to make weight bad. Making have to fight one, and if you make it the the wrong way, it's gonna show, and you will lose. Especially on when you stage. spend most of your time at Caesar's Palace, table number twelve. <laughs> hey, listen, I, now I have stock in Caesar's. I'm doing okay. <laughs> all right, so you well, AJ Usyk, um, AJ's changes, all the changes gone through. How how. Is it a positive? Is it a negative? How do you see the new voices on his team? You know, we're going to find out, but I'm going to say... You hate change. I, I, I hate change, and, and I hate to poop on his changes because I know he's such a smart fighter. He's a strategic fighter. He's a businessman. Joshua is. And, he, and I mean, from gold medal to unified heavyweight championship of the world to losing it to regaining it, these are things that only great fighters do, great champions, heavyweight champions, Ali, three-time champion, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, every time they lost the title, they would go back and to the same guy. They wouldn't take an interim fight. They would go back to the same guy and get what, the, what was theirs back. And that's what you got to appreciate about Anthony Joshua. He may not have the the the, the resume of a, of, a, of a great, great fighter just yet, but he's doing great things and he has a great mentality. He's not going to let that go. He wants who beat him, and I want that belt back, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. So you got to appreciate that. Yeah, but he's bringing in Robert Garcia to be his head trainer. He's working with Angel Fernandez. I don't know what, if at all, Rob McCracken is with this team, but he's, he's going to go into this fight – with an entirely new strategy, and he's doing it against a guy who is like the Iceman of boxing. Like, you're not going to phase Iceman. Alexander like Usyk. That. He has been a road warrior every step of the way, going to Latvia, the UK, the US. He's traveling the world, taking on big challenges. So going to Saudi Arabia doesn't mean anything to Alexander Usyk. Facing Joshua in a rematch is not going to bother Usyk. Like, he's going into this fight, and I'm expecting Sergio, like, with Ruiz... You could see the weight gain, and you could say that's probably not going to be the same guy on fight night. Right. Usyk, he's going to be the same guy or better on fight night. And that, to me, is Joshua's biggest challenge. That's why Joshua's going to be a big underdog, and that's why a lot of people uh, in the business are, 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 are making Usyk the including myself, I think it's the exact same thing is going to happen. We're going to see flashes of Joshua and what he learned, but he's going to be able to carry that the entire time. Land up to Usyk make the adjustments. That's what he's so brilliant at doing. If he gets hit on one side, he's going to move for you won't hit him on that one side again. Lomachenko does the exact same thing. They do lateral movement so brilliantly and they confuse fighters. I call them, they, I call them boxing ballerinas. I mean, because that's what they look like. You just forget the half of their body, just look at their lower half. They look like ballerinas. They're beautiful, fluid movement and Usyk has that as well from that left-handed stance and he just pop shots you from angles you don't expect coming. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be the exact same thing. We will see flashes of the, the of, of Joshua. If he's in Morocco, then things will change. If we can see Usyk flustered by, by the aggression, we can see change. But I, I just don't see it happening. Is What happens to Joshua's career if he loses? Joshua's always going to have big fights. I mean, he can fill out a stadium. I mean, he's a, he's a superstar in the UK. I think if he loses it, and depending on how he loses, by the way, he loses a decision, which is most... 
probably w- what's going to happen. Uh, but if he loses a, a decision, he can go and fight one of these youngsters, Joe, uh, well, not young, but Joe Joyce. You know, that would be a big fight. Or or a Triple D, Dubois. That would be a big fight. I mean, there's a lot of big fights from across the pond. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'd have to rebuild his confidence, though. It would be probably a year to get him back to the world level once again. You'd probably have to fight him two or three times um, before you fight him. No, nah, guys like that don't lose their confidence, man. They're champions, man. Think you lose two in a row, you don't lose your confidence. Yeah, but you lose. But you lost two in a row. Lose your to titles, champions. you don't lose your confidence. You lost two in a row to champions, and just you just realize maybe this. Did is... Did you lose your confidence after losing your title? No, because I was twenty eight. You know, uh, Josh was a little older now. They're old, about 30, 31, whatever Yeah, he is. so maybe maybe it's time for him to start thinking uh, about the second chapter of his life. What was the weirdest weight? How, how did you lose that weight? How did you lose 28 pounds in six weeks? Um, a lot of work, uh, not a lot of eating, and a lot of saunas. It was it was disgusting, man. I don't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> Speaking of which, you need to lose weight. Gee, thanks. <laughs> on that. Um, all right, so let's move on to uh, a couple of things real quick. Uh, Katie Taylor. I reported this week that Katie Taylor is – Likely to face Chris Cyborg in a fight in a boxing match before the end of the year. Cyborg, of course, I is love that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's interesting. I think it'll have some mainstream appeal. But Cyborg is a mixed martial artist. Katie Taylor is a boxer. Um, why do you love Taylor versus Cyborg? Because Katie Taylor has given so much to boxing that she needs that big payday, that that easy payday, that Jake Paul type payday. She's given everything as an amateur, won a gold medal for her country. She's given everything as a professional, became undisputed. Her her last handful of fights have been physical ones, you know, fights that you're not used to seeing her get hit like that. She's a boxing lifer, and she demands she demands that type of money now, and I hope that she gets paid with that crossover money, that Mayweather, Con- Conor McGregor money, and I think uh, Chris Cyborg brings that. Um, Cyborg is a legend, legend in MMA, but in boxing, any any MMA artist that comes into boxing is gonna get beat up because they're they're not focused one hundred percent on one art, on one style of fighting. That's stand up. That's boxing. Just using your hands. They're wrestling and choking and breaking thumbs and knees and all that. That that doesn't work when you're just the sweet science. So I just think it's gonna be an easy night for Katie Taylor. It's gonna be a major promotion because we've seen how she gets pushed now. Uh, by by her promotional company on the biggest stages on the biggest venues and it's going to do big numbers so i love that fight yeah look i think it's a fight they're trying to put in las vegas i think it is a relatively easy fight for katie taylor our good friend bob torrens the producer of the DAZN boxing show he uh he is convinced that uh chris cyborg will put up a fight against taylor and that's what you want right like you want the mma fans to believe that their fighter can win, even though, Sergio, there is a 0.000% chance that Chris Cyborg beats Katie Taylor. It just doesn't happen. That's not a critique of Chris Cyborg. It's just a fact that MMA fighters cannot beat boxers. And Chris Cyborg, arguably the greatest female MMA fighter of all time, cannot beat Katie Taylor, arguably the greatest women's boxer of all time. It's just not going to happen. So I think it's great that cyborg fans are buying all the way in and thinking that their fighter can win. It's going to make the promotion do well. It's going to make the fight do well. But ultimately, it's going to be an easy payday for Katie Taylor. And she deserves it because she has had tough fight after tough fight over the last few years. Hey, shout out to Bob Torrens, the greatest uh, producer and editor and and the zone has. So shout out Bob Torrens. Anyway, P.T. Barnum, Maddox, the greatest promoter in promoter history. 
P.T. Barnum would say a sucker was born every minute. If you promote it well, they will come. If you sell it well, they will come. He said it something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But if you sell this fight the right way with the mixed martial artists, they're going to buy it. They're going to buy into it, just like they did with Conor McGregor, and that's how they're doing it with all these other uh, YouTube fighters. There's, it's a, I thought it was a fad, but it's not a fad. It's, it's, it, this is where we are now. This is where we are, and it will sell. Katie Taylor already has her, her boxing fan base. That's not going anywhere. That's international. And Chris Cyborg, she's been around for you know decades now, it seems like. And she's, been, she, she's a legend in mixed martial arts. I watch her fights. I love watching her fight. She's a beast. So I just think she brings her toughness. She brings her experience. But, yeah, she's going to get beat, but she's going to get a big check with it, and she deserves it. Both, both fighters do. But she's not a boxer, and she won't win. So. But listen, it's I, gonna be. It. But no, it's look, gonna be a circus. It it's is, gonna be it a circus that's gonna sell and do numbers, and that's all that matters. Mula. And look, with Amanda Serrano fighting in August, uh, if Katie Taylor fights in December, they would love. A uh, Katie Taylor side has told me they would love to make Taylor versus Serrano two in Ireland in May of 2023. That's a huge event, and there is confidence on the side of Taylor that the Ireland door is open, that in the aftermath of everything that's happened with Daniel Kinahan and the dissolvement of MTK, there is more confidence than ever that a Taylor fight in Ireland can be made. Taylor has never fought professionally in Ireland. And I know Taylor's team is just salivating at the possibility of making Taylor versus Serrano 2 in Ireland. Um, and I think that's a huge deal. So let Katie Taylor get a win. Let her move forward. Let Serrano get her confidence back in August. Maybe she fights one more time before the end of the year at 126. Or maybe she moves back up to 135, and we get Taylor versus Serrano too, which is the fight everybody wants to see anyway. So I'm all for that. I'm sure you are as well. Whether it's here or in Ireland, I think that fight does big numbers. I would love for it to do it in her home soil. She deserves all that. Katie Taylor deserves all that. I know I, did, I keep saying that word, but boxers... Um, need to fight for what they get. They bleed for it. They, they they earn it and still don't get it at the end sometimes. And it's a sad story. So sometimes whenever I see fighters like this hitting to their mid-30s, they're having, coming off the biggest fight fights of their life and still being there but already showing signs of 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 getting hit of being old and 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 already exiting their prime i just want them to get paid make a lot of money and and go off into the sunset because i know what it's like to go off into the sunset broke because i've seen it no no not me but i've seen it too many times <laughs> you just said i know what it's like yeah because i've seen it too many times i've seen too many too many kids with much more talent than i did you know just be broke or be stuttering their words or, you, or have you've nothing. You've talked about this. You were broke at one point, like post-contender, post-forest. You were broke at one point. Well, not broke, but I wasn't, I wasn't making the exact same money. So I went from, you know, high six figures to making, you know, 50,000 a fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, I had to get back to that, those, those six figure fights. Um, but no, I'm talking about broke, man. I'm talking about where you can't even get a fight. Or if you do get a fight, you're going to get overmatched for $5,000. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. $5,000 for an overmatched fight. That's what $7,000 fights to get back to the, the big fights. That's what I, what I call broke, you know? So uh, Katie Taylor, I would never want her to see her going backwards like that. Oh, I want her, I want her to cash she's out and, and, and look back at her, at, her, at her career as the greatest female fighter ever. She is. And she's never going to go broke because she is the greatest athlete in Irish sports history, arguably at least. Um, and I think she beats Cyborg, and then we'll see what happens against Serrano uh, later in the year if they can put that fight uh, ultimately together. Last thing for you, mentioning Amanda Serrano, back August 6th on the undercard, 
of Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. If okay. Jake Paul beats oh, Tommy God. Fury, will you finally give Jake Paul some credit? Speaking of clowns and P.T. Barnum and circus ringleaders, <laughs> you, won't, you won't let it go. Why? You would not, you're not going to let this die. You're not going to let People Jake in boxing Paul, are willing to let it die. Yeah, I know, because they're, they're part of the same charade. And if, if Jake Paul fights Tyson Fury, is he going to be fighting a professional Tommy fighter? Tommy Fury. You keep see, saying I, Tyson. Tommy Fury. See, I don't, his name is irrelevant to me, even though he's popular. But I don't know him. Uh, I don't know Jake Paul and Logan Paul up until this point either, but they're obviously, you know, stars in their own right. Uh, yeah, you got to give him credit for fighting a professional fighter, but Tyson Fury, if you look at his record. Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury. For the love of God. Fury. Tommy Fury. Uh, Tommy boy. If you look at his record, it's embarrassing, man. It's, it's embarrassing. They're professional fighters. They got professional license, so we got to give them their credit. Yes, they're professional fighters. Any man that steps into that ring, you got to give all the credit to. So, yes, at least, at least Jake Paul's going in the right direction. But as a former champion, I look at it and still scoff. Well, you have to give him credit, though, for fighting a real fighter. You've been yeah. saying, and others have been saying, right. when is Jake Paul going to fight a real fighter? Tommy Fury is a professional fighter. It's what he does. And he's got an undefeated record at this point. So if Jake Paul beats Tommy Fury, he will have done what people like you and others said he wouldn't do, right? Like he's fighting a real fighter. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, what is a real fighter to you? Like, who who, who should Jake Paul face to give himself some credibility? No, no, look, I'm not, I'm not going to... Chavez Jr.? Would I'm that not, give him credibility? I'm not totally going to just criticize him. He's going in the right direction. Give him credit for that. He is fighting a professional fighter. But if you want to nitpick, Tommy Fury's not the one that you should go for, but it's a smart business deal. Tommy Fury's popular. He's a good-looking kid. He's undefeated, and he's technically, quote-unquote, a professional fighter. He is a professional fighter. And Jake Paul, uh, if he beats him, I'd love to see him face Chavez Jr. Or Anderson Silva, for that matter, who picked up a win over Chavez Jr. One of those two would be fine by me. There still are opponents out there for him. Chavez Jr., another guy that's been getting paid millions, millions of dollars for embarrassing the sport and continues getting opportunities. How much for you to fight Jake Paul at 175? Uh, at 175, I will do it for an even 999999 <laughs> with 99 cents. Come on, Jake. Let's go. When we come back, my conversation with Jesse Rodriguez. Fight fans, come out swinging with a no-sweat first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING. Bet on who will win, knockouts, when the fight will end, and so much more. So if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Join now with the promo code BOXING to get a no-sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All right, Jesse, Bam Rodriguez is here on Saturday. He will defend his WBC 115-pound championship against Theresa Katz, so rung beside Jesse, of course, fresh off the biggest win of his career uh, decision over Carlos Quadras. Is that right, Jesse, biggest win of your career? Would you call that that win? Of course, that was um, definitely the biggest win in my career. I had never faced an opponent like Carlos Quadras, a former world champion, so a victory over him is definitely uh, the biggest the biggest accomplishment in my career so far. San Antonio's favorite son is how Kevin Rooney of Matchroom yeah. described you. Is that, that sound about right? It's, it, it'll come one day for sure. <laughs> I don't know about right now, but... One day, uh, I will be caught that. What was it like growing up in San Antonio as someone that wanted to get into boxing? What kind of boxing climate was it here? 
um before i got into boxing i i had no interest in it um i wouldn't watch it wouldn't think about it i never cared about it so i was never in the boxing scene but it didn't start until one day my brother went to the gym and uh, being a little brother you want to be just like your big brother so i was like you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go to the gym and see what see what it's about it took about two weeks before i actually started myself and after that i just i fell in love with it it was it was something different and it it's boxing is a sport that you have to put your all into and i really that's something i admire about the sport and I, that's why i stuck with it your brother of course joshua franco contender title holder his own right um and we were talking about this before we started he's likely gonna face juan francisco estrada at some point at 115 pounds so could be brothers in the same weight division did you guys talk about that that possibility when you were growing up fighting in the same weight class coming up um the talk was being a world champion at the same time <laughs> And I didn't expect to be in the same weight class as my brother. Um, I got the opportunity, and I couldn't pass it up. So I, I, I took it, I seized it, and I stepped up to the play. And, I mean, it's just how it worked out. Your brother, if he if he beats Estrada, presumably he would rise pretty high in the WBC rankings, maybe be the number one contender. What happens if he's number one contender for your belt at 115? I'll vacate. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'll, I'll never fight my brother. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even ask that because I don't know why anybody. People ask the Charlos that all the time, and it's ridiculous. Why would two brothers like slug it out to try to, you know, in, in a sport as dangerous as boxing? The Klitschko's once told me. I think Vladimir was one that told me this. That like he, when he and his brother sparred as kids, like he broke his leg once sparring. It was so vicious. Mm. I, I'm sure you sparred your brother when you were younger, and even maybe even now. Was the last time you did spar your brother? I sparred him um, back in December, but mm. it wasn't like no full sparring. No, it was just more more working with each other. Uh, giving each other tips mm -hmm. and uh fixing our mistakes mm -hmm. so you'd, you'd vacate first when you tell your brother like hey man it's my belt why don't you go there's, there's three <laughs> other sanctioning bodies around that like, you go i mean my, my brother has the skills to be anybody in this weight class and it's just a matter of time before he gets his be, before he gets his opportunity mm -hmm. so those belts they're they're not safe with with whoever has it it's just mine <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, for people that don't know the backstory on this you go by jesse rodriguez your brother joshua franco why the the different last names um i got my my father's last name josh got my mother's last name and that's because when um when josh was born my parents they weren't they weren't really uh they weren't getting along together so my mom's parents they didn't really like my dad hmm. so they they made him split up and my mom i think she ended up moving up to, to dallas or something something like that so Whenever my brother was born, that, that that's why um, he has my, my my mom's last name because my parents were really on good terms at the time. Mm. So then, whenever I was born, er everything was was flowing well with with my parents. So I got my dad's last name. <laughs> you got the the total familial yeah. last name, brother. Got <laughs> same same parents though. Of course, of yeah. course. Um, and the other one that people like, you have one of the better nicknames I think in boxing. Just a boxing nickname, Bam Rodriguez. Simple. Like, where so where does that where does that come from? Um. Well, I've I've had this name since I was a little kid. It started as uh, Bambino, like from uh, the baseball player. Okay, Babe Ruth. All right. Yeah, yeah. and then it, they changed it to Bambi, like the deer, and then eventually I just outgrew that and it became Bam. Yeah, Bambi, not so much a, a nah. good boxing nickname. Bam <laughs> nah. for sure. Uh, Bambino, I can even work with. Um, take me back to the Quadras fight because you collapsed in the ring right after that decision was announced. You could see the emotion on your face there. Uh, what did that moment mean to you? That moment meant everything. Um, before that fight, I, ha I had a, a world title shot. Uh, it, it was scheduled on the Mikey Garcia versus Sander Martin card, and that fell through. So it, it really hurt, and it was it was discouraging at that point. So when I got the opportunity to fight Carlos Quadras, everything just everything happened for a, for a reason, and 
when when after the fight I already had knew it was in in my favor in my decision so when i officially heard it that that's when i really really felt the happiness and all the sacrifices everything uh all 12 years of boxing that all the all the hard work everything i put into the sport it finally paid off and it just felt so good and that's that's why i collapsed i, I couldn't believe it you were preparing to be on that card originally but took that fight on what around a week's notice six days six days yeah. to face quadras um w when you got in the ring and moved up in weight for that kind of fight could you feel that you were in with a bigger, better fighter in that fight? I, I wouldn't say a better fighter, um, but he was definitely stronger than my past opponents, mm -hmm. um, you know, given the fact that I was moving up to 115. It was my first fight in that weight class, so I did feel uh, Carlos Qualas a little stronger than my past fights. But, um, you know, I never I never really showed that on my face. I just I kept it to myself. I didn't even tell my team. I told him he was a little strong, but, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't anything I couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. How? How? long did it take you to adjust to that power did, did you have to adjust to the strength of a, an opponent that size yeah i mean maybe like the first three rounds it was it was something different being in there with a former world champion but after that it was i was locked in the whole time and i i never really paid attention but after the fight is when i really felt it i was i was sore for a few mm -hmm. days yeah <laughs> a few days a few days yeah <laughs> is that um after you beat quadris you could have moved back down. You, your plan was to fight at 112 before that fight. Um, you have said this week you didn't plan on staying at 115. What made you decide to stay at this weight class? Oh, well, once I got the bell, I was like, you know what? Maybe I do want to defend this at least one time. So I, I spoke with Robert and, and my father and everybody on my team, and you know, it was, it was, um, it was a full agreement of you know maybe defending it once or twice, and that, that's why we're here. You you are said you are defending it one time. You're doing it against probably the strongest guy at 115. I would say still, even at 35 years old, Teresa Katso Rungvisai can pop. I was going back and watching his fight against Estrada, and he lost that fight pretty clearly. Yeah. But in like the 10th and 11th rounds, Estrada stood in front of him, and he got whacked around a little <laughs> bit in that fight. Um, take me through kind of how this fight came about and why you decided to accept a fight with Sor Rungvisai. The reason I accepted this fight was because um, I'm I'm the fighter that replaced Rungvisai. Originally, he was supposed to fight Carlos Qualas that night, but he got sick. So that's when I stepped in, and um, I'm the one that took the title opportunity, and now I have the belt. So I feel like he's the he's the one fighter that does deserve the shot. And um, like like I said in my in my interview yesterday, I want to be a special fighter. I don't want to be no average fighter. Any any other champion would have taken on an easy task, especially in their hometown. But mm -hmm. I, I I don't want to um, just be all uh, another fighter. I want to be a legend uh, when when it's all said and done. So that's why I'm taking on these challenges. How different has the preparation for this fight been for Sorung Vasai as opposed to a guy like Quadras who is strong but maybe a little more slippery than than Rung Vasai is? I, f I feel like Rung Vasai is a lot more flat-footed so um, we've been working a lot on keeping the mid-distance working half-distance and uh, well, during the qualifiers fight I was in the pocket a little too much and I'm not going to be able to do that against Rung Vasai. I could hear Robert Garcia in, in between rounds yeah. of that fight don't stand in front of him don't stand yeah. in front of him over and over but again. But it's just something inside me that, that wants to fight <laughs> but you know I, I became a lot a lot smarter since that fight and I know that Rung Vasai carries power through all 12 rounds and I can't slip up I have to be on my A game the whole time and that's what we work for in the gym for two months. Have you watched I mean I'm sure in preparation you've watched some Rung Vasai but I mean he was part of some iconic fights over the years, whether it was against Estrada a couple of times, he demystified Chocolatito in his fight where he knocked him out. Like, what do you remember about watching him kind of growing up? 
coming up it was, it was i remember like damn that that dude hit hard <laughs> hard as shit like i'm not gonna lie I'm not, <laughs> like um when when i saw what he did to uh chocolatito it was just it was it shocked the world and i mean i I never imagined myself being in the ring with him but here i am and i'm more than ready i'm more than happy and, and to do it in front of my city of san antonio it's just it makes it that much better and that more much more exciting you came up obviously watching those guys so rung beside chocolatito estrada guys they're still fighting right now you have the win over quadras you're fighting uh so rung beside is it in your mind like you know i have an opportunity maybe if i'm successful to beat all those guys from that era all the guys i grew up kind of watching and everybody was watching when they were fighting on hbo and and they were making this division kind of cool for a while like is it in your mind like maybe i can fight them all and maybe beat them all yeah of course that ma that makes training that much more motivating because like you said there was four kings at the time carlos cuadras uh rung chocolatito and estrada and I already got to Cuadra, so there's only three kings left. And, you know, I'm taking another one on uh, Saturday night. And to, to get a win over uh, Rungvisai, it, it'll, it'll be everything. For a fighter in the smaller weight classes like yourself, like how important was the visibility that those four guys got for at, at 115 pounds? Because I don't think a lot of people were paying much attention to that weight classes before those Superfly yeah. cards popped on HBO. Even even Chocolatito Estrada 1 was, I don't even know if it was televised. If it was, it wasn't a a, a big deal. I mean, those HBO shows really put that division on the map, didn't they? Yeah, of course. Um, Back back then, it, I don't, I'm not sure what year it was, but, you know, they had the Superfly tournaments, the Superfly cards, mm -hmm. and that I feel like that brought a lot of attention to the smaller weight divisions and, uh, it's just gonna keep getting better and better, especially with fighters like me, myself, and my uh, my brother. There's there's a lot more fighters at 115, 112, and any any of those fights being made between those weight classes just uh, just can't miss. You are trained by Robert Garcia. He is here in San Antonio for this fight, but he's also been splitting time between your camp and training Anthony Joshua. Um, how how involved has he been with your camp, and what impact has that had, if any, on your training? Uh, well. I got to camp uh, two months before this fight, and we had Robert there for about three or four weeks. And you know, he really set the game plan before he left. So when he did leave, it, it was no problem working with Junior and Chepin, my my other two trainers. Uh, they're, they're very experienced as well, and I've been working with them since I was 15. So the chemistry has been there since I was a little kid. And I mean, we're ready. We worked on the game plan that Robert left us. And well, uh, once Robert's in the corner, he's he's in. A, I'm gonna be the fighter that he expected. Mm -hmm. Should we expect to see a different type of fight than what we saw against Quadras? It kind of goes back to the question about game plan, but again, they are different fighters. Should we expect to see a different Bam Rodriguez in this fight? Uh, I believe so. Um, during during the Quadras fight, I was a little more. Um, I wanted to stay in the pocket and brawl, or you know, uh, really really make my mark and pick up that title. But I have to be a lot more smarter with Rungvisai. So, you know, we've been working on that game plan, and we're ready to go out there and uh, execute it. Is there going to be a part of you tempted to bang with him a little bit to see what he's got in there, to see what this heavy-handed guy has got at 115? Well, I already know he's heavy-handed, so, I mean, <laughs> I don't have to go and test it out. I'm going to be smart the whole 12 rounds. That's what we worked on, and, you know, uh, Robert will get after me if I did something like that, so I don't I don't want to piss Robert off. <laughs> He'll get after you. We'll be able to hear it in the broadcast the yeah, entire time. Sure. <laughs> he's, he's not shy nor quiet in that corner. Um, you've got a lot to accomplish at 115. You just got to 115, but you're only, what, 22 years 22, old at this point? Yeah. Like, you're still growing into your body. As you look at your future, like, how big do you think you can get? How high in weight do you think you can go? Eventually, I think at the end of my career, probably 126 or 130. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Really? That high? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 
you look around those divisions, like they've they've become the cool divisions now. You look at Inoue Donaire was such a massive fight at 118. Stephen Fulton maybe against the winner of Akhmedalia of Ronnie Rios. Yeah. Um, that's a big fight. I mean, you got do you look around at, at these other divisions and say this this could be cool down the line? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of big fights to be made down the line, and to be a part of it would it would be uh it would just be the like the cherry on top for my career. Uh, you know, I'll be on my way out at that point. So. A big fight uh, and just you know retire after that would just be amazing. You got a long way to go before you're on your way out. Yeah, <laughs> I heard you uh, you sparred some with Ronnie Rios for this fight. How uh, what do you think his chances are against Akhmedaliev? Oh, uh, Ronnie's looking sharper than ever. You know, I sparred him before these camps and he he wasn't he wasn't really doing as well as he was for this camp. So he he's really ready and it's gonna be an explosive fight and it's gonna be a fight that you don't want to miss. Mm -hmm. And I believe Ronnie, he has what it takes to pull it out. So I'm, I'm rooting for Rios. The last thing for you is, what's it going to mean for you to kind of be introduced in your hometown as a world champion in front of that crowd, headlining an event against a potential future Hall of Famer like Sor Because What is that moment going to mean for you? It's going to mean everything. Um, it's, it's been three years since I fought here in my hometown. And, you know, I, I my name, it, it didn't really have much as it does now. So... Being being a world champion, defending it for the first time here in the city of San Antonio is going to feel amazing, and the the crowd is going to be more motivation to pick up a win Saturday night. How different is fighting this time around as a champion than it was three years ago? You hearing from more people? Is is there mm -hmm. like the ticket requests jacking up? Yeah, I mean, social media has been crazy. <laughs> all, all my phone's been blowing up this whole week, but I mean, it comes with being a world champion. That that that'll be for any fight, really, but. Uh, three years ago, I, I was just about five and zero, six and zero. But now I'm fifteen and zero, and I have a world title, so I have a lot more popularity in the city, and it's just gonna be a, it's gonna be an amazing night. It's gonna be something special. Yeah, it's gonna be a great event. Jesse, good luck to you, man. Looking forward to seeing you Appreciate back in you. action. Congrat and good for you for taking on a tough challenge, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you like I like this about you know boxers now. Like George Cambosa just did it. Like he you know took on a tough challenge after winning all his titles. Here you are, you win that green belt, and you're going right into the ring against. Against a banger and a real, a real tough guy. So good for you for doing that, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. All right. Not my best week last week. I went with the upset, and I got burned. I gave you Joe Smith to win by decision, and I mostly gave it to you because I thought the odds were astronomically bad. Joe Smith to win by decision was 13 to 1. Like, you almost have to put money on that, don't you? Like, you can't let... A line like that go by. Turns out, I was wrong. Archer Betterbeev is great. Joe Smith couldn't withstand the power. Betterbeev wins by knockout. Hope everyone didn't lose too much money. This week, I'm going to give you another upset. And I'm more confident in this upset than I was last week. Sarisa Katsorungvisai, who is taking on Jesse Rodriguez for the 115-pound title. A title that Sorungvisai owned uh, just, I think, three years ago. He is plus 400 right now to win this fight. Uh, he's older. He's 35. Jesse Rodriguez is 22. Uh, he did not look great in his last marquee fight, which was against Juan Francisco Estrada. Lost that by uh, sound decision. And he's only had three relatively low-level wins since then. But I think this is a turn-back-the-clock moment for Sir Rungbasai because he is the established 115-pounder. He has been at this weight class for a long time, whereas Jesse Rodriguez made his debut at 115 pounds. There's been some... Uh, inconsistency, I want to say, in Jesse's camp with his longtime trainer, Robert Garcia, uh, not being around for half the camp. 
I think this is a fight where Jesse is vulnerable. So I am taking Sorong beside to win at plus 400. The method of victory, that gets even better. Sorong Vasai is not going to outbox Jesse Rodriguez, but he can knock him out. And Sorong Vasai by knockout is plus 700 over at FanDuel. So I think Sorong Vasai wins. Take that at plus 400. I think Sorong Vasai wins by knockout. Take that at plus 700. This is the week where I get the money back. Everyone that bet on Joe Smith, I'm sorry. I took a chance. I thought Smith might box a little bit more. He came out, tried to go for a knockout himself, got stopped. Sorong Vasai... Even in the early rounds, I think he's going to lose some of these early rounds. He is going to uh, pick up a late knockout. That is my prediction. Could be wrong. Jesse Rodriguez, excellent fighter. Might outbox him, but he's a smaller fighter. And Sorung Vasai, even at 35, still has real pop left in his punches. So those are my picks this week brought to you by FanDuel.